Welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. The Metaverse and Web3 are bringing about the biggest revolution since the internet itself. With your hosts, Paul the Prophet Dawalibi and Jeff the Juice Cohen, we will be bringing you the latest Metaverse business news and insight into what it all means. The Meta Business Podcast starts now. From the boardroom to the metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul the Prophet Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Jeff the Juice Cohen. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the, the official podcast of the metaverse. What we do is we cover the most pressing metaverse topics and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this industry. For our regular listeners, thank you for tuning in every week. Thank you for all the love, the five-star ratings and reviews. Guys, I've gone and I've read some of the reviews you've left. I read all of them, in fact. Uh, so much love there. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. It's why we do it. We love doing this. Please, if you haven't yet, if you love the show, go leave a review. Let us know what you think. And uh, share the podcast with a friend. Let uh, a friend or a colleague know, someone who's big into Web3, maybe, or crypto or gaming. Uh, share the podcast with them because hopefully they will enjoy it. Jeff, how are you doing this week? Doing good. Doing good. We are uh, recording in the middle of the crypto winter, I suppose. Maybe we'll talk more about that, but it's, uh, it's interesting it's, times. It's, interesting times. It is interesting times. I've heard, I've heard different takes on this, right? I've, I've heard people say this is just like one of many winters, like there have been four other winters and this is the fifth winter and each successive winter gets less and less sort of uh, horrible. Uh, yeah like this this is if you know the first one was uh devastating blizzard this is a little bit of a flurry um so i've heard various takes and i think it's interesting i think a lot of it is a little bit sensationalized you know obviously public markets have been getting killed and bitcoin's been getting killed and uh many you know uh crypto projects have been hurting and companies you know celsius most recently, I don't know if you saw, uh, blocked all withdrawals on their platform. Um, so there's definitely like uh, vic- like victims in all this. There are definitely uh, casualties, I should say, not victims, casualties in all this. Uh, but winter always seems so drastic to me. I don't know. What do you think? I'm back. I don't know. I'm going to assume you had a good take about the crypto winter while I was... Uh... <laughs> Well, I was gone there. I, I agree with what you were saying when, when I was when I was still even here. What you were saying, where this time feels a bit less existential, where it's like the, yeah. the product market fit of Bitcoin and crypto has sort of been proven, and this this fall down feels a little bit more driven by the macro versus like, hey, you know, crypto overall is is going away or isn't a product as use case. Now we are seeing some one off things like some of these Luna, Terra, all these maybe like algorithmic stable coins that. Obviously, that's not what we talk about on this podcast. And frankly, I'm not educated enough to talk about them, but we have seen those maybe go away. Generally, you know, this is the time to start to be building great things. So we're, we're yeah, and I would say this, the silver lining for the metaverse stuff is a lot of the projects that raise venture money. I mean, a lot of these companies are just very well financed right now. The big crypto companies are well financed. A lot of these metaverse Web3, blockchain gaming, like a lot of these companies have raised a lot of money in the last 12 months. And, and the good companies will have capital to survive whatever, however long this winter lasts, right? I think that's, in, in my mind, that's the silver lining. Good companies 
are are well capitalized because of the the volume of money and dollars that have been flowing into the space. Um, I want to start, Jeff, as we usually do with kind of a fun story. And and this one you fly and I had to read it to really understand what they're talking about here. But the headline is what Web5 is and why you should know about it. I mean, we we talk at length about Web3. I, I didn't think we were already behind the curve here, but it seems we've we've not only gone past Web3, we've skipped Web4. We're at Web5. Uh, I'm joking here. What they mean by this is it's a combination. This is de- being developed by uh, Bitcoin blockchain, uh, or it's being developed on the Bitcoin blockchain by uh, one of the companies of Twitter C, former Twitter CEO, Jack Dorsey. And basically what they're, the way they're describing it, it's a combination of Web 3.0 or Web 3 and Web 2.0, 2 plus 3 equals 5, I guess. And, and that it's a more truly decentralized internet where you know, ownership of your content um, is is all built on the blockchain. And, you know, there's nothing that is centralized. I guess there's no central servers. There's nothing there's nothing that is not owned directly by the users. So there's no web monopolies. There's no large tech companies. And the argument that Dorsey makes is that Web3, while it talks about decentralization, is not truly decentralized because it says VCs own it. It's it's a, he's quoted as saying it's ultimately a centralized entity with a different label. So, uh, do you buy this Web five argument? Do you think it's a bit silly to be talking about Web five before we've really fleshed out Web three? Uh, yeah. What do you make just, of this? I just feel bad for Web four. You know, I don't know why we, <laughs> we necessarily skip them. But to me, you know, it's. It's a bit, it's a bit much. I mean, Web three in and of itself is all about decentralization. So I, I think they're hitting the main notes. Like to me, it's not a problem that a lot of the biggest companies in Web three are backed by VCs and have owners. I just think that's kind of how human nature works. Like when people create entities, they're going to create a company. If you're going to have a company, there's always going to be some form of centralization. Otherwise, nothing's going to get done. Like in this Web five, it's just going to be a roving army of individual robots where it's like you just join a company one day and then you go to the the next DAO the next day. Like I just don't think that's how humans like fundamentally as a social species like work. Like that's it's just not really we're not mercenaries. It's not we're not robots. So it it just to me it's 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 not it's not how not how yeah I mean I guess is the implication of what you're saying that true a truly decentralized version of the internet or a truly decentralized metaverse in your mind could never exist or will never exist. Well, it's like yeah, because in order to have these plot, like in order to have these things created, you're going to have to have companies created. So I guess if he's saying like, okay, his his issue, as I understand it, is that many of the big companies that are building the infrastructure layer of Web three are themselves backed by what he considers institutions or or like web two companies like VC funds, stuff like that. And I'm just not sure how else things would be formed, right? Like is everything going to become a DAO and we're just going to have large like uh, you know decentralized like some struggle to work. Like direct it, democracy. It feels- is everything going to become direct democracy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
the, I, I mean, democracy is an interesting word. I was going to call it just if Web5, the way they've described it, feels like total anarchy, right? Like no structure, yeah. no, no centralized authority of any kind, no, you know, nothing driving a vision in any way. Um, feels a little bit like anarchy. And, and I, I just, I don't understand why a hundred percent decentralization needs to be a goal or why it's an important goal, right? Like if you can get something and and I know these are fake numbers, but 80% decentralized where just some key infrastructure is, you know, is centralized in some way. Um, And maybe that's a little bit like more web 2.0, but if web 2.0 is 80%, can we get to 95% or whatever it is, right? Like, um, I don't understand why 100% is the goal here. Like, what is the benefit really? And and can you achieve those benefits still with some amount of centralization? And it's also an entirely uh, hypocritical argument by Jack Dorsey, right? Because he has created a company that is creating this vision, yeah. which the company has shareholders. So it's like, oh, it's different because you, Jack Dorsey, own it versus Coinbase, which is owned by, you know, A16Z or something. Like, how is that different? Right, you're still creating a company. Yeah. You have employees. The employees are building a product. Like, I, you know, it, to me, it's maybe that, I think that's why I was struggling before to articulate. It's like I don't know what's different about this Web five vision that he is espoused. I think it's more just. I think it was silliness. I don't know. The interesting article, and it worked because we clicked on it and we talked about it. But uh, beyond that, I don't think there's much to it. Um, let's talk about something that I think is, uh, we, I think we both agree is more interesting and that is tag, tag Hoyer, tag Hewer, tag Hoyer in the news, uh, a famous watchmaker, uh, the headline here, tag Hoyer watches to display NFTs, the ultimate status symbol displaying NFTs in real life is the new cool, uh, Frédéric Arnaud, CEO of LVMH on tag Hoyer explains all. So, uh, Arnaud, who's, um, uh, one of the one of the sons of uh, Bernard Agno, who owns LVMH, which is this huge luxury conglomerate. Um, I think he's a pretty big crypto enthusiast himself. And the idea is they've added functionality to one of their smartwatches, where in the background you can connect it to your crypto wallet, like MetaMask or Ledger Live, and the watch face will display your NFT artwork. If you're watching this episode instead of listening to it. You can see an example here of a, a bored ape in the uh, in the back of a watch or in the dial of the watch. Um, Jeff, your thoughts on this? You know, luxury status symbol combined with NFTs. Is this finally an interesting use case for these NFTs? I like it. I mean, NFTs have always been about being a status symbol. That's why we were, we were both very actually positive when uh, Twitter made it such that you could make your profile picture an NFT. So I think it's, it's a really smart use case. Um, you know, watches have always been a bit of a status symbol, like a show-off kind of status purchase. And the fact that you can now display your NFT and have it uh, be validated by the blockchain is actually something that I think is pretty useful. And I think this will probably get a decent amount of adoption. Um, it's one of the better use cases for NFTs that I, you know, can think of. I mean, Clearly, gaming is, has been one we talk about, obviously, all the time. It's been a really good use case. I think art, like real estate, like there's some various things that NFTs and the blockchain really work for. 
this is is actually up there in my mind. Yeah, I agree. I really like this, and and you, I think you hit the nail on the head with the idea of status symbol. You you're combining an NFT, which is already a status symbol, with a watch, which is also a status symbol, and and the dials of watches are a big part of that status, right? Like uh, a Rolex with a Wimbledon dial is worth more than a Rolex with just a black dial. And, and you know, so certain dials become more collectible. Here you have a dial that is, assuming the NFT is unique, completely unique, right? And that, that makes it more desirable. It makes it more of a status symbol. If you own a very valuable and rare NFT, all of a sudden that watch becomes an even greater status symbol. I think it's kind of genius and it's, it's super easy for them to have implemented, right? Like uh, this is something Apple could do very easily with their Apple watch. You would think, um, you think we'll see that guess, happen or, well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you see, because there's no bigger install base of smartwatches than, than the Apple watch. Do you see that as functionality that maybe they bring? I think we will. And, and, you know, I don't know the Apple smartwatch ecosystem that well, but could MetaMask just create an app on there? Because I believe this is just basically MetaMask, like whatever crypto wallet you're using has an app that then displays the, uh, you know, the, the, the image of the, of the NFT. So technically, I don't even know that Apple would necessarily, I mean, they'd have to accept it into their, their store, but I don't know that there would need to be a massive business development deal where I think Meta, MetaMask could probably just go and do this themselves. And I think it would be very wise of them to do so because it's a great use case. Um, and yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of people with Apple watches that would love to, to have this be their creative watch face. I mean, with Apple, it's always better when it's like a first party thing and it's an official watch face that they offer or whatever. I, I don't know what the APIs for like third party watch faces looks like, uh, but uh, you know, I, I really like this idea of luxury watch and call it luxury NFT together. It makes it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, all right, let's um, let's talk about Discord. Discord in the news, and again, a little bit of a sensational headline here: Dump Discord. Nansen launches messaging app for Web three communities. Um, it says the analytics platform Nansen aims to take a bite out of Discord's dominance with a new messenger service for NFT projects and more. So this is a crypto analytics firm. They launched a messaging app. The app requires a crypto wallet to use, and it's targeted at NFT and crypto communities. Um, basically, you log in with your crypto wallet. You connect to groups based on your crypto holdings and which NFTs you verifiably own. Uh, the firm describes the app as a crypto-native communications hub for Web3 communities. Now, I mean, I don't know if you want to address the headline, Jeff, like dump Discord. And if you think this is a, a legitimate competitor for Discord, uh, or if you, you accept that this is maybe a bit of a sensational headline. And I think is there a place for this app in the ecosystem? It's a... It's definitely a sensational headline. I don't think people are, you know, Discord is going to lose its, its competitive advantage, particularly with the network effects it has and the ecosystem it's built around gaming. Having said that, I think the, the wallet integration is, is interesting. And it's potentially an area where Discord has left its flank open a little bit. I remember early in the year, Discord had 
talked about doing an integration uh, with a wallet. And I believe they ended up backing off from it because they got a bunch of backlash from their community. So I think that is an area where maybe on the crypto front, a lot of these crypto communities are on Discord. And the fact that Discord hasn't really integrated any of that technology in might be actually an area where they're, they're a bit open to, uh, open to attack. However, I don't love the idea of gating the top of the funnel for a messenger app to have, having to have a wallet. And then in order to be in these communities, you have to have the NFT. Because with any messenger app, like the, the number one thing is network. You need to be able to message anyone and anyone needs to have the app. So like anytime you're adding friction to that top of the funnel, you're going to lose some of those network effects. So I think ultimately that, that part is where I struggle with. I also don't know that you need a separate messenger app to talk about crypto, right? Like at the end of the day, I can talk about crypto in Telegram. I can talk about it on text message. I can talk about it on Discord. It's really who has the best tools for building communities and who has the most users, which is what the, the platform that's going to win. Like I don't know that having a vertical focused platform for a chat app is, is, is smart. Which is interesting because it's actually the opposite thesis that I had for um, trade, NFT trading platforms, where I was actually very bullish on the verticalization. Here, I'm not as bullish, so I'm curious what you. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you on the gate is the problem, right? Like I think that that sentence really bothered me. Where you need a crypto wallet to use it, like right off the bat, you eliminate, you know. 90% of Discord's user base, probably, right? Like if, if we assume that if you look at the total gaming population and then the total, you know, owner of crypto wallets, it's about an order of magnitude difference. So, right, mm -hmm. like you, you eliminate 90% of your potential customers immediately just by requiring a crypto wallet. And I get it. It, it, it gates it so that the people who own that, you know, NFT, that, series of nfts can all talk to each other but i don't see that as a feature i see that as 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 a downside because the what the reason discord has exploded as the platform of choice for these communities is it allowed for discovery of the communities right like you want to you create an nft project you want people to buy your nfts the whole point on Discord was to create these communities, bring in as many people as possible, create as much hype as possible so that you drive the price up of your NFT. I mean, if you gate it to only the people who already own it, I don't know how you create any discovery, right? Like you lose that whole piece of the equation. I don't know why you would want, not want people who don't own it. Like they should still be allowed to talk about it. Um, so I'm not, I'm with you on the gates, the problem. I wouldn't go so far though, as to say that a vertically focused plat like chat or community platform could never work. I just don't think a gated one could work, right? If you said, Hey, we want to be the platform, not for gamers, but for just to people to talk about NFTs and NFT projects. So don't waste your time on discord where there's a lot of noise and, you know, a bunch of other stuff. That I would get, but then if you say, hey, by the way, we're also going to gate it and you need to have a wallet and you need to own this specific NFT to talk about it. Well, now that that doesn't make sense, right? That vertical community doesn't make sense. That's fair. I could see a little bit like vertical, almost like a message board. It's like a Reddit, but really hyper-focused um, to create discoverability. Because I think 
if you just log into Discord and you're not coming from somewhere, it's hard to find things that might be interesting. Like there's no True. you know hot topics True. or like you know uh, rooms that are interested or because you're in this room you should join this room. Like so, discoverability on Discord is a bit of an issue. So I do think maybe I'll soften my stance a little bit where I can see almost like a Reddit of crypto, you know, like a, tar- a targeted Reddit type thing working. Yeah. Um, Jeff, let's move on. Let's talk about a legal battle in the Web3 and metaverse world here. And this is this is a bit of an interesting one, kind of a deep one here. So let me try and summarize as best I can. And please feel free to stop me here because I know you had done more research on this than I did. But the headline here is legal battle avoided after YGG and Merit Circle DAO agree to a deal. So what happened here is um, Merit Circle is a company that created the Merit Circle DAO. They help gamers interested in play to earn games by lending items from their treasury to be used for gameplay. Uh, it's basically a guild, right? Merit Circle DAO, it's a guild. We've talked about guilds before on this podcast. Um, originally, the DAO passed a proposal that would cancel YGG, Yield Guild Games, which is a, a, you know, a larger organization. It would cancel YGG's simple agreement for future tokens. In other words, an investment that YGG had committed to in Merit Circle DAO. But uh, the DAO passed a proposal that would say, we're only going to refund the 175,000 US dollar coin that YGG contributed originally. In other words, YGG makes an investment in Merit Circle DAO. Merit Circle DAO at some point says, hey, we're going to cancel this investment and just give you back your money, as opposed to giving back the value of that investment, right? <laughs> at that point in time. Um, now, the, the re- resolution, just to get to the point here, seems to be that YGG is walking away with, still walking away with 10 times their original investment. That after this, uh, I guess, protracted legal battle, that seems to be the proposal that both sides have accepted. So YGG is going to get a return on their investment and not just their money back. But I know there's some interesting conversation here around, you know, what does this all mean? Uh, what does it mean for investment in DAOs? Like, I know you had some thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting moment in the, the future of DAOs, which I think is a little bit tied into the future of the metaverse, future of crypto, because people, and we were even just talking about this earlier, like, will the future companies in the metaverse be fun, uh, you know, formed as DAOs? So I think this is a, a little bit of a seminal moment in the sense that, you know, if if... If it were that anyone who invested into a DAO could essentially be, have their investment voted down to zero in the future, I think that would really, you know, kill a ton of institutional investment into these DAOs and would really kind of destroy the, the 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 essence of the product in itself. So I've seen I've seen a lot of like crypto bros on Twitter and people on LinkedIn kind of referencing the story in a positive light, sort of talking about almost like like. You know, bragging and dunking about how great it is that the DAO has the autonomy to do this, and I view it as a as a, as a really big negative. If this if this were to have stood, and even the, the fact that it, it possibly could have happened, will really hurt any future institutional investor who says, "Hey, I'm going to invest in the DAO," because they they know that at any point, you know, the tyranny of the majority in the DAO could just say, "Hey, well, thanks for the capital you gave to us a year ago. We've now 10x our business. 
and here's your money back. Like, or they could just say in the future, well, here's nothing. We voted you out. So I think, I think when you create a structure that is autonomous and doesn't have a, a legal entity, legal structure behind it, you run a lot of risks. So if I were an institutional investor, I wouldn't touch a DAO, you know, based on, based on this. You know, it's the, it's a little bit the confidence of the mob, right? Like you have these decentralized autonomous or semi-autonomous kind of organizations and, and it creates a level of anonymity that, that makes it feel like that should be able to get away with things that normal organizations can't. I don't think being a DAO absolves you of good business practice, ethical business practice, and, and, you know, following contract law, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, again, we, we run into a situation where too much decentralization starts to feel like anarchy and systems break down. And, and to your point, if all the institutional money loses trust, what happens to DAOs? I mean, these things need to be funded from somewhere. And if no one has any confidence in the ability of these DAOs to honor agreements, whether it's an investment or otherwise, uh, you have a really big industry problem, right? Like this is not, and the crypto bros can laugh about it, uh, you know, all they want. I agree with you. This is a really dangerous kind of story to cut to have come out because it casts doubt on the trustworthiness of any of these things and when you put your money into into something like this where does it go how you know you have any control over getting it back at any point in time and uh you know if we were to not talking about DAOs here and we were just talking about any old web3 startup where the founder decided to just give the investor back their original investment Right, we'd be saying this guy's shady. This this is criminal. This is uh, this is a crook. Mm-hmm. Right, like uh, shut their business down. Uh, I, just because it's decentralized, why are like why are people not as critical here? Right, why? Because the machine decided it. People people are looking at it and be like, oh, how cool was it? Like the little guys all came together and like you know were able to vote out the man. Uh, without really understanding or thinking further about what the consequences of that really mean. And I think you brought up the, the correct word. I mean, it's trust. And I think right now, the entire crypto space is facing a little bit of a confidence or a crisis of trust. Like I think just with what we've seen with some of the algorithmic stable coins, the price of Bitcoin and Ethereum, and now, you know, throw in this a little bit with DAOs. Um, trust is a fragile thing, particularly when you're dealing with institutional investors and folks that inherently didn't trust this system to begin with. And then you throw in stories like this, and it, it really can cool off the funding environment for, for DAO specifically very, very quickly. Yeah, and I think people in, in emerging industries underestimate how damaging just one or two pieces of bad news, just one or two bad actors can be to the, the investor sentiment on the space as a whole, right? Like, it, it, it's one of these things where well, what's the what's the crypto um, uh, motto? It's uh, we're all we're all going to make it or whatever, right? We're all yeah, wag me. Um, but I think I think like the better one, if we're talking about metaverse Web three in general, is more like we're all in this together, right? And if you have a ba- few bad actors, 
decentralized or not, autonomous or not, um, it really spoils everything. And, and it's something that I think we need to call out and, and everyone should be calling out and be really careful about and, and not be tolerant of, frankly, because it ruins, it ruins it for everybody. So um, interesting story. And uh, look, in the end, they got 10 times their money back, which I also kind of laughed about. Like in the, in the universe of investor returns, the 10X is, you know, uh, considered to be, you know, the, uh, an, ex- an excellent return. Not more than excellent return. So, you know, it, it sort of all worked out. Um, maybe they were expecting a 100x return. I don't know. Maybe they're still upset about it. But the fact that it did get resolved is somewhat promising. Jeff, that wraps up this week's podcast. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, I just want to remind people, guys, please share the podcast. Please send it to a friend, a colleague. Make sure to subscribe to our brother and sister podcast, if you want to call it that, Meta Woman and Business of Esports. Go follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffCohen23. Uh, he's always got interesting things. And um, make sure to watch us, guys, uh, Wednesday evenings, 8.30 Eastern time. Jeff's there. I'm there. We do a whole show on gaming news. So if you love the gaming piece of the content we do here, because gaming is a big part of the metaverse, uh, you will absolutely love that weekly news show live stream we do Wednesday evenings at 8.30 Eastern Time. Uh, you get Jeff's hot takes on a whole bunch of things there. And I, I promise you it's worth, uh, worth the time. So um, don't forget, guys, the most important thing of all, though, the future is fun. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Business.